Hello, friends. This episode is a live recording from our first STIR gathering. Now, if you haven't heard of STIR or don't know what it is, it's a place for us to get together for stories, talks, ideas, and reflection on things that we don't quite get to go in depth in at church. Hebrews 10 verse 24 inspires the gathering. It says, let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works. This first gathering sought how to mentor and how to pour into the people that God puts in our lives and on our hearts. So coming up, we have an interview with Pastor Dan Conger on his years of mentoring and pouring into youth, a talk from Brandon Van Dyke about being relational, intentional, and missional in our mentorship, an interview with Hannah McHenry and her insights on the many mentors she's had in her life. Many people, by the way, said that this was their favorite. And then we close with a talk from Michael Beavers on preparing the mentor. The event started first with myself opening up with a talk on mentoring our heroes. I'm in my fifth year at Lake Road Christian School as a Bible teacher for teenagers. I remember my very, very, very first day as a high school teacher, completely nervous out of my mind that I had to be the teacher of high schoolers and completely intimidated by them, really intimidated by them. I got to come across as cool. I got, they've got to respect me and all these fears you have, like, how am I going to control the classroom unless they like me? So the first day of school uh, was a disaster. And it was not much better after that. What basically happened in my first couple years of Lake Road Christian School was I had to play the role that I was the sage on stage. I was a smart guy and everyone's in my class and I've got to be the hero in their eyes. Um, but then uh, I learned this other phrase that you don't want to be the, the sage on stage. You want to be the, the guide on the side. And I began to wonder, well, what does that even look like? How does that happen? Well, now, um, for the last two years at LACS, I have had a very intimate relationship with many students on a deep level where they, they openly say they trust me with anything and tell me things that they've told nobody. Uh, how, how do we get from being this awkward guy trying to be cool on the stage in front of the students to now the classrooms extended beyond just the lessons I give them? How did that happen? That's what I was reflecting on. And this is what it came down to. Actually, honestly, I'm a nerd. I love to learn things. I guess that's why I teach. Uh, one of the things that I was fascinated with was hearing about the hero's journey, which is basically the way you tell a story. Uh, one of the famous hero journey stories is Star Wars. The hero's journey is a system where you have a hero who goes through a series of things and grows. And there's, there's a certain specific formula for the hero's journey. Um, and like I said, Star Wars is a, is a story that actually follows that pretty closely. Now, what was interesting about the hero's journey is that every hero in every story has what's called a mentor. And the mentor is there alongside of them. But the mentor is not the hero. Although the mentor has the smarts and knows how to do everything properly, the mentor is just on the side. And it's his job to get the hero to the, the appropriate destination or goal. 
Now, examples of mentors are like, um, you have Frodo, our hero. You have Gandalf, the mentor. You have Katniss Everdeen, the hero. You have Haymitch, the mentor. Uh, you have Luke Skywalker, the hero. You have Yoda, the mentor. Um, these are examples. So what often happens is that the mentor's there for a season, and then the mentor usually dies or disappears, and the hero has to learn how to do it on their own. So the mentor's there just for a season. What I began to realize is when it comes to the classroom, when it comes to, and really outside the classroom, just my relationship with people younger than me, is I am the mentor and they're the hero. Now, that may not sound like a special revelation to you, but it was to me who felt like I had to earn their respect by being some sort of a hero, the guy who knows it all, who has all the answers. But it actually flipped incredibly when I realized, no, I'm, I'm just... I'm the mentor, which means they are the hero. Sometimes when we think of I'm a mentor, it means I'm wiser and better than these younger people. But actually what it means is to be a mentor is to establish the person you're pouring into as the hero. They're above you. And once I grasped that, uh, the classroom began to change. I have now dozens of heroes, not one, but dozens. And I'm the mentor to lead them onward. So if you think about it, this is a lot what, like what Jesus does. He comes to earth and he comes alongside us and very silently, not bringing attention to himself, but trying to propel others to become uh, his vessels in the world, like his 12 disciples. He was the mentor and they became the heroes of the church. Um, so uh, just to close with a couple of ideas of what I've gathered in this process of becoming from hero to mentor, uh, like all good stories, I want to encourage you guys to start believing in your heroes. Believe in your heroes. Uh, I believe in my students, which means I'm rooting for them and I believe they can do it. I, I, I fight when it, when it comes. Sometimes you think down upon someone. You want to judge them because they're different, because they're younger. You don't get them. But I have to fight that and say, no, I believe this hero can do it. So here's some ways to do this, to believe in our heroes. Uh, one, realize that everybody is worth your time. Your hero is worth your time. If they are a hero, they are worth your time. Think about the heroes we talk about celebrity status, right? Your, your favorite celebrity was going to spend time with you. Don't tell me, oh, no, I have work today. You would call in sick to spend time with them. If we look at these people as heroes, we would see them as worth our time. They walk in, you're in the middle of something, stop it. Close the computer, put the phone down, make a statement that what they came in for is far more important than what you're doing. They're worth your time. Second, pay attention to what you see. The same way you look at a hero and you, you notice everything about them. Oh, wow, Mike Trout's swing is a little long right now. That's why he's in a hitting slump. I'm a baseball fan. Um, you pay attention to what you see when you're looking at a hero. So start to learn their facial expressions, the way they carry themselves. And you can start to pick up on they're not having a good day today because you're watching what you see. Third, ask questions like they're celebrities. If you were in the presence of your hero, you would have an unending list of questions for them. We have to ask the people we're pouring into lots and lots of questions that's when they begin to talk. That's when they begin to trust you because they, they realize, wow, you're genuinely interested in me. Uh, fourth, assume the struggle. One of the most important things about the hero's journey is that the hero always struggles and fails. 
and then learns to overcome the failure. So you're watching your hero. Assume they're going to struggle. Don't throw in the towel because they messed up. Don't judge them because they messed up. Assume right off the bat, somewhere this person's going to disappoint me. This hero's going to mess up. And if I accept it now, I'm not going to show judgment or surprise when they do. Like, I knew this was coming. And I was ready for what I was due when it happened. And then finally, fifth, find yourself in the hero. That's what we do when we see stories is we love the heroes because we see something of ourselves and we relate to the struggle or what they're trying to do. See part of yourself in the people you want to mentor because um, in doing so, you're going to love them more deeply and you're going to care for them more deeply. And you're going to there associate. What about them is just like me? They are humans. They succumb to shame, to fear, to anger. They are proud uh, they, they are worried about what people think, just like me. Find yourself in them, and then you'll be able to connect. So uh, that is our opening concept. We are now going to listen to someone who's been doing this far longer than myself, uh, Pastor Dan. Pastor Dan is youth pastor at Calvary Chapel Twin Peaks, also um, a, a campus pastor and Bible teacher at Lake Road Christian School. How long have you been youth pastoring? Just to give us a sense of your experience. Oh, here goes my age. Um, over 25 years. Um, not as an ordained pastor, but I've always worked with the youth. Um, but I've been working with the youth over 25 years. I've been ordained eight years, eight years under Jeff Gill. Okay, so Pastor Dan um, is, I think, a really interesting, well, you're just like a really, wow, (laughs) you're a really grown up kid. No. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, um, a really grown up kid. Um, So why don't you real quick, um, how how did you get the call to become a youth pastor? How did that whole things start well without going in depth of my testimony um i had a very rough childhood um raised by grandmother grandmother was very bitter and i had physical child abuse and verbal child abuse and back then we didn't have child services and stuff so um i was stuck i was stuck there and my mom my grandmother was everybody was afraid of grandma So my mom couldn't pull me away from her and stuff like that. So what it did is it gave me a love for the youth. And what I went through, um, I went to church. I had a drug problem at a young age. I was drugged to church. And I was there for the wrong reasons. And it took a long time for me to just get my life in order with the Lord. But because of what I went through, it gave me a love for the youth and understanding um, that they struggle. And they got this look like everything's perfect or everything's good, but it's not. And they're hurting, and they need a mentor. They need someone that will come alongside and love unconditionally, um, like Christ did. So, yeah, so God used the pain in your life as the catalyst to say, you know what? I understand pain, and I want to help people through that pain. Right, right. And we know that God can take anything that's bad and use it for his glory. And that's what I see that he's done. Yeah. 
So, okay, so is this how, how do you connect with students? Do you, do you often look for their pain, or, or what are you looking for when you're, when you're making that initial connection? Be goofier than they are? No, I'm kidding. Um, <laughs> um, you know, one, I have, like, a ton of energy. Um, I come alongside of them and just get to know them. And, and the thing is, is it's so important with youth is stability, because maybe they don't have stability at home. Maybe they don't have stability with their friends. Um, you know, I was, I've been long-term um, in serving the Lord. And, like, I've been here now at the school for three years. Um, that was something that God did. I didn't do it. He did it. And working with the youth. So it's stability so they can trust you. But the main thing is accept them for who they are. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of times we have expectations of who we want them to be. Um, you know, I just had something, I had someone come to me and said, you know, what about, why aren't the youth singing or, you know, they're talking during service and stuff like that. And, you know, once they're, they're God's kids, but they're my kids and I go to bat for them. And I basically just told them that, you know, I can't make them worship. They have to want to do it. And by loving on them and encouraging them and be alongside of them, that's what's going to change the heart. I can't change their heart. And the thing that, as adults, um, it doesn't matter what age, um, when you sit in church or you sit somewhere and you're looking at the youth, are you expecting them to act the way you want them to act? Or are you loving them and just accepting them who they are? Because every one of them has their own issues. And they may look like they got everything together, but they don't. Mm. And we need to love them for who they are, not what we want them to be. And uh, that's what I have found because through what I went through, no one knew my hurt. And no one tried to be there for me either. Yeah. Yeah, so it sounds like consistency is a really, really important thing. But what, what do you mean by consistency? You're just showing up all the time. You're consistently happy, or you can. What, what does that mean? Um, one is being there all the time. Um, it's kind of like if you are doing a class and you have a substitute most of the week and stuff. You're not going to have any relationship with your students, and you're not going to have any trust factors as well. But then the other thing is is being consistent is always being there for them. You know, we'll get so busy, and maybe you keep telling them, well, I'm here for you. I'll pray with you. And then there's that one moment that they want to have you pray with them. Oh, you know, exactly what you said. Close your computer. Turn off your phone. Make sure they feel important. Because I guarantee you, some of them don't feel important at all. Either they're being ditched by their peers or family, whatever the situation. They need to feel that they're number one. And we need to step out of that and make sure they are number one. And that's the consistency where you're always there for them. The problem I find with consistency is that I don't always feel like being available. Of course not. And I don't always feel like listening because you know exactly the rant this person's going to go into. You've heard it a hundred times. <laughs> you're, uh, how, do you, how do you remain consistent even when you don't want to be in the spot you're in? Okay, so let's, I want to say this first, because it's not just the, the youth that do that. Adults no, do that, right, too. Right. You know, you're, you're, More like, than youth, you're like praying for this one person. It seems like nothing's changing and nothing's changing. Yeah. And it's like, if I'm praying for you, you got to be praying for yourself. 
you got to want it too. But as far as um, them, um, it's tough sometimes. And you have to set aside your worries. You've got to set aside. You know, Scripture tells us that His mercies are fresh every day. And granted, I come to school sometimes, but no matter what mood I'm in, when I step onto this campus, I'm pumped. I'm excited. You know, like our new principal is saying, you're always excited. Well, okay, whatever. But um, you got to set that aside. And there's going to be those days that you really don't feel like it, but that's when you have to call on the Lord and say, what can I do? How can I listen? And sometimes you don't say anything. You just listen. Yeah. Because it's better to be a listener, not the one with all the answers. And we can't be as cool as the kids. You can't talk like them. You can't act like them or anything because they just look at it and like, dude, you're 55 years old. What are you doing? Yeah, it's, it's better to be a listener than to always have the answers, always. which causes me to want to ask, when, when is it a good time to give advice to anybody we're leading, mentoring? When it's asked for. And they can do it by body language. But you kind of be attentive. So I'm cursed with this thing where I'm so obs- observant that I see stuff that, you know, it's just sometimes. But you got to be observant and watch their body language. I mean, you can catch a youth with a tear in their eye and they're holding it back. Well, man, that's, that's a sign right there. They need something. But are you willing to give it? Are you willing to to cross that barrier? But you know what? If if the holy if we ask the Holy Spirit to lead us and that's to be sensitive, um, that's gonna come. But it has to be a trust factor though too. Yeah. They gotta trust you. Yeah. So so in other words, it's not the mentor's job to always have an answer. No. It's not the mentor's job to always fix what they see. Yeah. And you do move in when you see them give you permission. Right. Yeah. So then it's not always the right words. It's the right time. Time. Yeah. And see, the thing is, God gave us two ears and one mouth for a reason. Less talking, more hearing. And they want to be heard. They want to be heard. They're always being cut off. Or, no, you did that. That's it. I don't want to hear the story. You're, you know, and all those things. Even their, their, their friends do it to them. And, um, you know, you just got to love. I mean, you got to take your eyes off of what you want to see and and be real with them. So in my experience, there's a lot of people who are easy to listen to Mm -hmm. because they talk like that's their gift is talking gift of gab. And you, you can talk to them if you wanted to. They, you just let them go. What, What do you do with that student or that person, that adult? Um, by the way, when I say student, interchange it with just person. We're just, we see each other at school all the time. So that's the words coming out. I never but see you what at do you school. Do? What do you, that's, that's <laughs> another matter. What do you do with that student who doesn't have the gift of gab, who is actually more shut down and doesn't seem to want to say anything? What's your role in that? Um, my role is, um, I never like seeing a youth sit by themselves or anybody. And you can see that they feel on the outside or something like that. I'll go up, try and spark a conversation. Um, does it always work? No. But I don't get offended by it. Um, a lot of times if we go up to someone, we want to talk to somebody, and they don't want to interject, then we get off. well, fine, you know. Was it something I said? Or we get that defense mechanism up. Mm. But um, 
you know, I I don't have a problem just sitting down. I mean, we were just at McDon- uh, in and out after Magic Mountain, and there was three teenagers there, and I just sat down and started talking to them. And one of them's kind of looking at me kind of weird, and the other two are engaging, and it's great. Um, but I don't. And, and, you know, the students here know if I see a student sitting by himself, I'm either going to sit with them or I'm going to send people over there. So it's one of those things that you you got to take a chance. You have to take a chance. And if they kind of shun you, okay. But you don't give up. It's kind of like asking someone in the church and say, no, okay. Next week I'll ask again. The problem is people give up on the youth too easily. It's like, no, okay. I I have expectations. You don't meet them. I I don't have the time. And people give up on people. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, We're frustrated that they're not. But adults, we're supposed to handle that better than a, a teenager or something. I know. <laughs> Do you ever take anything personally when it comes to people you're mentoring? Um, I used to. I used How to. did you overcome that? Um, well, I did cells for over 25 years, so I grew thick skin. Cells? Cells, like cell sales. products. Oh, sales. like a salesman. Yeah. Okay. yeah. Um, Wait, jail but, cells? Or no. <laughs> Actually, I would love to do some jail prison ministry. Um, I've been to some juvenile halls and then and, and that. But the thing is, is um, once again, you got to remember that you're doing it for the Lord and not yourself. So what happens is when you see something that you're doing work, it, it builds your faith in what you're doing. Um, like I've shared the story about the kids that I used to take from San Bernardino and gangs and 25 years ago, I didn't know what I was doing. I, I didn't even think it was going to work, but God had a different plan. And yeah. Yeah. You should tell, I actually don't think you and I know that story, but I don't think anyone here knows that story. You should. Okay. Um, it was a time in my life where I just really gave my life to the Lord and I was being used by the Lord. Um, once I said I do to the Lord and had that commitment, I started with leadership I was working sound. I was helping with drama. Um, I was driving the uh, gangbangers in my truck. It was legal then, honest. Um, from San Bernardino to Redlands. And there was um, 11 of them. Nine of them were Hispanic and two were white um, on our street. And uh, they were serious gangbanger kids. I mean, they were hardcore. And even one of them threatened to kill me because I kind of ditched him in front of his his homies, you know, and just said, you ain't going to throw gang signs up in the bus. So he says, I'm going to kill you. And I just responded to, I love you. And you know what? I'm, I'm just trying to keep you safe and everybody else. So if that's how you feel, I'm sorry. I'm always here for you. Well, you know, gangbanger kids, what am I doing? I'm a gavacho. I'm living on the street and, and everything. And, but the thing is, is I moved on. And I didn't know what was going on in their lives. They searched me out. They found me on Facebook. Um, I truly, it's not a plug for Facebook, but if you use it for a ministry, it's very powerful. Um, You can search me on Facebook and you'll get devotions every morning about five o'clock. But anyway, so they found me. And it turns out nine of them are walking with the Lord. Three of them got deported back to Mexico. They started a church. One's a pastor. One is working with the youth and driving a bus and getting them there to church. And they they message me all the time and tell me 
how it impacted their life and their whole families are Christians because of it. They're not dead and that. And to me, that's not a pat on my back. That's a faith builder for me because I had no clue. And it gave me an insight like there's always a purpose. And working with junior high and high school, it's kind of called the unseen fruit, meaning you don't know when it's going to turn into fruit. But does that stop us? Do we give up? You give up, you lost them. It's, it's the bottom line. You, you don't give up on your wife. You don't give up on your kids. Well, you don't give up on the youth kids either. And um, my wife's always told me, you got a lot of kids. I wanted more kids. But she goes, you got tons of kids. You got all the kids at church. But that story constantly reminds me, and they constantly send me messages and everything to the point, I want to go down to the church in Mexico I already reached out to them to see if we could come down and bless them. But they're a new church, so they want to wait. But you never know. You never know what you're going to do or impact a kid's life. Gangbangers. Yeah. Adults. Crazy. Students. Yes. Connect with you. Yeah. I don't know why. <laughs> no, I don't have a question. <laughs> really, why? why? What do you think draws people to you? Mm. it's not because I'm the sharpest tool in the shed. I think it's my excitement and my enthusiasm. And you know what? The ones that have tested me know that I'm there. Um, I've had youth call me in the middle of the night. Who cares? You know, my, my cell phone is on the business card for the youth group. That's, you get a hold of me. I mean, if you've seen that To Save a Life movie, you know that one pastor gave the business card and the guy laughed at him. And then he's stranded after a party because his, do- his, his girlfriend took his car. Mm-hmm. So he's sitting in the middle of the street. He calls the pastor and he drops everything. Like you said, that's what we got to be willing to do. Drop everything. And he went and got him. And then it turns out he was a better witness to the youth group than the youth group that was already there. And he got up, upset like, dude, you guys are fake. Mm-hmm. So you, you just got to. It, it's youth ministry. I have a T-shirt that was given to me says this. It says, youth ministry is a calling, not a punishment. And the day that we realize that it is a calling and we're all called to be disciples and we need to minister to them, it doesn't matter on the mountain, anywhere. It doesn't matter where I go. I'll spark a conversation. It doesn't matter how old they are or anything. It's just I'm outgoing. I'm enthusiastic. And I always try and leave them with something that makes them feel better after I've talked to them. And it doesn't always mean a Bible verse. It's just someone cared. What makes people feel better? A pat on the back, a hug, an encouraging word? It could be any of those. A simple thing is God bless you in a line. You know, every day is a divine appointment somewhere. Yeah. And we need to pray, Lord, use me today wherever. And I had a situation happen to me when I first gave my life to the Lord. And I was in a pizza place. And God put it on my heart to speak to the guy that was next to me. I didn't know him from Adam. I'm like, no, no, I'm not doing it. And then it was heavy again. No, nope, I'm sorry. And right in front of my eyes, God sent someone else over there and sat right there while I'm sitting there and started ministering to him and it was received well. I never did that again. That was like a slap in the face. All right, Holy Spirit, I'm feeling you. That hurt, you know. <laughs> um, but you know what? It doesn't matter where we are, what we do. Um, perfect example, 33 high schoolers. At Magic Mountain. I don't do rides. I can't. I'm old. No. It's the inner ear problem. It's the, I love roller coasters, but I hang out with it's them. It's both. 
Yeah, that too. Hey, you know, come on. You'll be there. Um, <laughs> the, the thing is, I don't feel 55. I don't. And I'll run and hang with them, whatever. I carry their backpacks while they go on rides. I don't care. I'm Mr. Mom. I got ibuprofen in my backpack and band-aids and everything else. And they call you on it. Last year, I had a mom call me. Hey, you have my daughter there. She has a bad headache. Do you have any ibuprofen? Can you give it to her? Absolutely. So I went across the whole park and found her. And you got to, like you said, you got to give it all. And, and just know that you'll be there. Don't try and be as cool as them because it'll never happen. So you, you mentioned energy. You're energetic. You're outgoing. That's, that's possibly one of the things. Of course, Jesus in you too. That, that people connect with you, uh, which draws them to you. I guess. Well, that's what you said. Right. You guess. I, I, I guess. think so. I feel so. You guess. Yeah. I guess. Yeah. But I'm genuine <laughs> too and transparent. Ah. I'm genuine. I'm transparent. Meaning, if I if I'm going through something, I share it, and it, it helps them realize. Like if they ask me a question, you know what? I don't know the answer. And then what happens is, oh, someone else doesn't know the answer. Okay, at least he's honest. You know, yeah, being real. So and being a mentor is not being a superman, no, superwoman, superhero. I hope I'm not going to supposed to be a superwoman with the answers. <laughs> <laughs> with the ability to just turn on this outgoing persona, because actually, what you got to here, I think, maybe more of the heart, transparency. Oh yeah. Um. I don't know that we're supposed to be something that helps us connect with people. I don't think so and, Except for the, the truest, most genuine person we are in Christ. Right. And yeah, that often means I don't know. Yeah. I don't know how to fix you, but I'm here for you. Yeah. It means carrying Advil across six flags Whatever to it a takes. kid. Or it means delivering pizza to your neighbor. Yeah. All of those things. Yeah. We can yeah, minister to everybody. That's magnetic. Yeah. Um, you know what? It's, it's, it's a heart transplant. It's, if you've got God living in your heart, you're supposed to be willing to do whatever. Whatever. I mean, we have a couple widows in our neighborhood. Our family takes care of them. That's what we're called to do. And it's, you, you, you run out of time to do your own personal stuff. But at the end of the day, does it really matter? You know, I'm so blessed by the youth when they come up and you see the change in them or they say, you know what, what you said to me stuck and granted it's taken me a long time to get here, but I'm here and I'm rock solid and you see it. And you, I mean, my first youth up here on the mountain, I had a young lady, I called her trouble. Her nickname was trouble. She wasn't bad trouble. She was just always trouble. And now I got to see her marry a Christian man and they have two kids and she is so fired up for the Lord. And when you could see that, see, you're not old enough to see that yet, but when you start seeing your youth get married and have kids and it's powerful, you did something right. Yeah. I actually am old enough to see that, but. Oh, okay. You are older than I thought. Some of my former youth are married. Yeah. Praise God. Um, Praise God. See this gray right here? It's getting gray. That ain't gray. Um, this is gray. No, there's more grays than there was <laughs> last month. All right. So there is a Bible here. Um, yes. Do you, do you have any passages that you tend to go to that help you 
uh, kind of realign yourself when you try to be the hero instead of the mentor? Well, when we talk about being a mentor, um, 2 Timothy 2.2, it says, And the thing that you have heard from me among many witnesses, commit these to faithful men and who will be able to teach others also. So I got to take what God has put in my heart and I have to chew on it. I have to apply it to my life, but then I got to share it with others. And the thing is, is we're foolish to think we can do it on our own. We got to constantly be in the word. We constantly have to be plugged into church because we'll run dry. You know, we have to, we have to fill up our tank in order to give out. If we're doing all the giving and we're not filling our tank, um, then what happens is we run dry and we become hardened. And then, you, and then you're trying harder. You're yeah. trying too hard to right. do things It's the flesh, lives. not yeah. the spirit. You start being God instead of... You think you are. Re- yeah. Yes. Yeah, you start trying to play his role. Yeah, yeah. and the thing is, is, if God is directing it, then you don't have to worry about relying on your strength. Um, it's the same... I mean, everywhere I've been in my ministry, God's put me there. I can honestly say I didn't do it. Um, just like getting the, having the job, the ability to come here. Um, I had other plans, and God had a different plan. And he was going to be a bus driver. Yeah, I thought I could minister to the kids on the bus, you know. But God had another plan, and Miss Linda called me, and out of the blue, I had no clue what was going yeah. on. Then Pastor Brandon go, wait a minute, I never talked to him, and we're going to Hot Shot. Something's up, and sure <laughs> enough, they. And then God gave me a vision. And it was word for word what they had been praying for three to four years. And they never told me. I had no clue. And uh, I presented to Miss Linda, and she goes, oh, wait, wait, wait a minute. We got to get Pastor Mike in here. And it was, it was crazy. It was so evident it was God. And I don't have to worry about my strength. Last question. Okay. How can we start building relationships tomorrow? With the youth or anybody? With the people God's putting on our hearts right now. One, let the Spirit guide you. And two, get rid of your expectations. What do you mean? Meaning that, you know, you look at someone, you want them to do a certain thing your way. It's kind of like when you, you give your wife or a girlfriend flowers and you already have it in your head how she should respond. And then she doesn't respond that way. And you're like, forget it. I'm not giving any flowers again. Them things are expensive. It's the same thing. It sounds goofy and corny, but it's so true. You know, it's, you know, I've worked with junior hires forever, it seems like. And I've given great advice to their parents. I've prayed with them. I got a junior hire living in my house now. And it's different. It really is. And it's tough. And the thing is, is we have to take, because we can't think back to when we acted as a junior hire. And if we are younger, we could. I have no clue how I was. I know I was scared, and I was very sheltered life, yeah. and I had no friends and that. But we have to think, where are they coming from? What's going on in their life? You know, it's like I tell the kids here, nothing negative. Because you don't know how it's going to, you don't know what's going on in that person's life. Mm. And I've seen, I've heard and seen um, youth that have committed suicide because people have picked on them. We call it bullying now. Then it was just 
you know. But bowling's huge now, social media and everything. But where they were always the butt end of a joke. It's like my entertainment at their expense. And because maybe their parents got divorced, maybe their girlfriend broke up with them, or they always go home and they, they're they sad because everybody's picking on them. And they have no hope. So expectations meaning that you got to look at them. They all need something. They all need God. We know that. But what is it going to take for you to be something for them? And being a person that cares and being genuine. You know, I think all my students know that I'll pray with them no matter what. They can call me no matter what. Some do, some don't. Some it's a pride thing. But if I only offer that one day and I don't follow through any day and have that open book any time, like in our classes we do a devotional Monday, man, I they're deep. They may not be coming to me, but they know I'm reading it and they're grading it. And what they write, man, I'll sit there and tear up. And I and I start praying for him, and then I'm like, "Hey, I'm here." I don't say, "Hey, I, I read that," and he goes, "All of a sudden, I just uh, um, um, what I want to use, I, I I put him on the defense, and I, I you never want to do that." So I would say, accept them for who they are, not what you want them to be. Love on them, and be a good role model. Yeah. And, you know, there's that tension with uh, accept them for who they are, not who you want them to be. But we're always thinking, yeah, but they are not something good right now. We've got to no. fix that. But but what I've noticed is if you are consistently representing Christ to them and you leave them the freedom to grow, yeah. it takes longer than you want, but sure. they come around. It's unseen fruit. It's unseen fruit. Yeah. Yeah, the seed. Yeah. We want we want miracle grow. Jesus wants genuine. That seed could be fruit. tossed and thrown across yeah. the prairie land and land somewhere else. Yeah. But um the thing is is it, love love conquers all. And um it's going to happen. It's going to happen, but it's in, it's in God's time and not ours. Not ours. But man, when you see that happen, Oh, you're so blessed. You are so blessed to just know. You know, you don't pat yourself on the back. I had a part of that. But you just kick back and watch it happen. And I've seen huge things this year. Huge things. Praise God. Yeah. Uh, Next is Brandon Van Dyke. He is the youth pastor at Lake Gregory community church and he works with pastor dan sometimes with the youth and um he has a he has a real heart for mentorship and i think he's he's good at it at least the ideas i hear and the relationship he has with the students seems pretty solid so um yeah he also uh you're you're into training people and how to share the gospel that's one of your yeah callings so Mm -hmm. thank you thank you so I'm in family ministry, so I'm going to lay down a couple of foundational concepts here. But beyond that, what I'm going to share applies to mentoring or, or leading people of any age. It's an amazing pace at which uh, the world is changing right now. Think about this. The people that are growing up right now are learning how to swipe an iPad, change YouTube videos before they can speak. 
Amazing, amazing. You may have grown up with a handful of influences about how your family life should be lived. You probably saw a couple of people on TV, really good role models, and you had your parents. Kids are growing up nowadays with dozens of influences on what family life is like, and hardly any of them are going to be positive role models. Lastly, young people, teenagers specifically, are overstressed and underchallenged. Overstressed and underchallenged. Social anxiety disorders are skyrocketing in our nation. But what I'm going to share now, I'm going to, I'm going to address it as, I'm, as if I was speaking to a bunch of people from Sunday night Bible study. So you may not know this. I attended the Bible college in Marietta. And I feel like I'm really like-minded with Calvary, okay? And my wife and I come to Sunday night Bible study four to five times a year. What I love about Sunday night Bible study, people always approach us. You guys are incredibly relational, and I love it. We've never gone where we didn't have people approach us and ask us um, what we're into, what we're about. And I absolutely love that about Sunday night Bible study. You guys are missional. I love it. One piece of advice I would say, one thing to add to your repertoire would be intentionality. So many Christ followers could be phenomenal mentors if they added intentionality to their repertoire. So think of RIM, okay? Relational, intentional, missional. That's how I remember it. Relational, intentional, missional. Everybody say relational. Intentional. Missional. Yeah, when we look at the life of Jesus in the Gospels, we see somebody who is relational, intentional, and missional. Jesus always offered a set of invitations and challenges as a way to extend this relationship with others. In churches, we see people grow in the priority or in the character of Christ, but they don't grow in the priorities of Christ. That intentionality is missing. It's not enough to just grow in the character of Christ. We also need to grow in the priorities of Christ. So the invitations that I see Jesus giving in the Gospels, the first one to the unbelievers is, come and see. No strings attached. It wasn't, hey, come to our church and act this way and dress this way and talk this way and don't say this and don't do that. No, it was simply, come and see. But it didn't just stay at come and see. Later it became, hey, come follow me. One step beyond that was, follow me and I'll make you a fisher of men. Lastly, hours before he would be arrested, it was, go and bear much fruit. So it went from, no strings attached to the unbeliever, come and see, follow me. Follow me and fish for men, or in other words, go win people to Christ. Go make a disciple and then go and bear much fruit. Go be a disciple. Go be a mentor who makes mentors. Go be a disciple who makes disciples. And what I'm going to put before you is a very audacious claim, but I believe it's true. And it's this, you can make disciples the way Jesus did. You can mentor and lead other people the way Jesus did. Turn to somebody next to you and say, you can make disciples the way Jesus did. Say it like you believe it. Come on, say, you can make disciples the way Jesus did. (laughs) Yeah. Here, here's a found uh, uh, like a foundational concept to understanding this. Let me ask you this question and I'll give you about 20 seconds to discuss it with somebody next to you. It's this. Was Jesus like a man 
fully man or superman. Discuss it with somebody next to you. Was Jesus like a man, fully man, or superman? Discuss. If you're listening to the podcast, think about that. Was Jesus like a man, fully man, or superman? Okay, Jesus was certainly fully man. He wasn't just like a man. Jesus wasn't Superman. He was fully man. And if we're going to make disciples the way Jesus did, we have to understand that he depended on on the Holy Spirit, certainly. But I want to put something before you. Check this out. Jesus lived on earth never less than God, but also chose to live his life never more than man. Okay? If you're going to make disciples the way Jesus did, you have to understand that concept. Or in other words, Jesus was man as God the Father intended man to be. Jesus did not dip into his deity to live out his humanity. The implication is this. You can make disciples the way Jesus did. Would Jesus leave us a model, which is making disciples who make disciples or leading other people to lead other people that we couldn't follow? The answer is no. No, he would not do that. So as I close, a few things of how you guys, a few ways to implement making disciples or being a leader or being a mentor the way Jesus was and is would be this. Remember RIM. Be relational. Be intentional. Be missional. Number two, mentoring is a relationship. It starts with establishing trust. Like any other relationship, you have to establish trust and set up a first meeting. That's your first step. Establish trust and set up a meeting place. Coffee shops are great. Homes are great wherever they feel comfortable. Establish trust. Turn to somebody next to you and say, establish trust. So let me ask you guys a question. What should a goal or what are some goals of the first mentoring meeting? What are some goals you think there should be? If you want to mentor somebody and you're going to lead somebody and they agree to meet with you somewhere... What should the goals of that meeting be? Yeah, I get to know them. Listen well. That's the problem with Americans. We do not listen well. Yeah, we don't listen well. What else? Yeah, yeah. So being okay with where the relationship is at. Yeah. But you certainly want to do everything possible to establish that trust, right? It's going to be like every other meeting. And then lastly, another goal would be set up another meeting time. Maybe it's a week from now. Maybe it's two weeks from now. I am so uh, thrilled with the technology that we have in the sense that I have weekly meetings with with pastors from other states. The farthest one is Pennsylvania. (laughs) So if you cannot meet in person, meet over a video conference call. Yes, FaceTime. I have a youth leader last year who she had to clean her kitchen and a teenager had to clean her room. They talked for an hour and they both cleaned over video conferencing. Utilize technology. Face-to-face is always best. And lastly, I just want to say, be like Jesus in the sense that give invitations and challenges every time you meet. Come and see. Follow me. Fish for men. Go and bear much fruit. I close with this. There is a pastor in my sphere of influence who uh, his father left the state in the mid-90s. Grew up not 
talking to his father. A sixth grade teacher and a youth pastor poured into this person's life. And they're the reason why this guy is a pastor. Think of all the people on the mountain who were growing up without a parent. Who could do great things if somebody would just take the time to be relational, intentional, and missional, regardless of their age. Thank you. Next, we have an interview with Hannah McHenry, who's coming up right now. Hannah McHenry just graduated from high school. She is going to, we're definitely going to, in this interview, be more youth-oriented. Although, perhaps in what you hear and what she says, we can apply to ourselves in the way we relate to humans as a whole. Uh, Hannah has had the unique privilege, or curse, of having dozens of people mentor her in her journey which made me think oh this will be really interesting to hear from someone who is considerably younger than most of us um, and who's seen the good the bad and the ugly when it comes to relationships and mentoring and leadership Um, what what can she offer us from her perspective so, Hannah, how many mentors have you had in your life? Just a ballpark um, number. Oh, man. I would at least say ballpark at least 10. At least. So a dozen yeah. was a pretty good guess. Yeah, pretty I might have said right. dozens. That's probably exaggerated, but dozen, that, <laughs> 10. And yeah. uh, how long have you been meeting with – how long have you been looking up to people as a so-called mentor? Oh, man. Um. Well, when I got into junior high, I had the privilege of, like, starting off with a really st- stable youth pastor. So since junior high, um, and then, like, even at school in junior high, like, we had breakfast clubs and stuff. So I think since junior high, really, like, grasped that concept of, oh, like, I look up to people. I think, oh, man, I wish I could be them or have attributes like them. So roughly six years you've looked up to people, uh, and you've had about ten mentors. Now, uh, we're not going to name names, (laughs) except you can tell everyone that I'm your favorite. No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) Um, Have you had mentors that are definitely not someone you want to emulate? Yes. (laughs) Yes. <laughs> Sadly, yes. I had people who I've looked up to, whether I like verbally said, hey, like I look up to you. I love what you're doing. Um, I think leaders I have looked up to have majorly disappointed me in ways that like I think will forever change my perspective of like what I want to do or what I would see someone else doing so I think I do know a lot of little red flags of like oh I definitely don't want them around me or something can you, like can you that. give us an example of a red flag for you so hypocrites like Dan said like we can spot out real quickly like who's real who's not sometimes we're false about it obviously um, but I think people who are hypocritical they like will stand up there and they'll say something and then five ten minutes later or 
two weeks down the road or a few months down the road, you see them doing the, like, the complete opposite. And it's like, oh, well, you're telling me to do this, but you're not doing it yourself. So I think I had a lot of those kinds of people in my life of, like, I'm going to tell you what to do because this is what we're supposed to do, but I'm not going to do it myself. It's almost, it's almost like you're describing someone who's doing the opposite of what Pastor Dan was suggesting, where yeah. it's not about always giving the right advice, but it's about the right time. Yeah. And sometimes just listening and saying, I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. So what in your definition then is a mentor? So, oh man, that's hard. I think someone in like, in my head, when I think of mentor, I think of someone like who's going to kind of like you guys are saying like seasons, you know, I think there's multiple seasons. I've had a lot. I've had none. I've had a little, but I think, um, a mentor to me is like someone who's going to be there with you in your hard times in like, in those raw, like, man, like I want to give up. But at the same time in those moments of like, I'm on top of the world, I'm rocking it, I'm doing it. So I think someone that's not just there for you when you're doing bad or someone that's not there for you that when you're doing good, but like both, you know, they're going to walk through life, they're going to challenge you, they're going to, you know, like show you the ropes in a way of like this is how it is, you know, even without even saying words sometimes is just their actions of like, mm-hmm. This is this is this is what we do. This is how I am. So, so yeah. So pastors are not necessarily always the best mentors. It can, it can be anybody <laughs> who's fitting that qualification yeah. you're talking about. Yeah. What is the one thing that differentiates between good mentors and bad mentors in your experience? Oh man. Can you or or a couple things. I'm like, can you yeah, yeah. You've had good mentors <laughs> like, and bad mentors. What what makes the difference? What sets them apart? Um, I feel like, well, if you have a bad mentor and you have someone following them, they're going to end up being them. So it's like, I've seen a lot of people who are like, okay, I'm going to follow this pastor. I'm going to follow this person. And then they go off the deep end and they're like, oh, I don't know what to do now. So I'm just going to follow in their footsteps and fall off the deep end. Cause you're looking at them as like who you want to be. So like, I mean, there's moments where I'm like, oh, I'm going to follow this person. And then they, they do something and I'm like, well, I think that's the right decision. So I'm going to go that way too. Where a good mentor is like going to lead you in the right direction and they're going to build you up. And it's like, it's, it's kind of, I don't know, like you're, you're going to follow what you're watching, you know, and you're going to yeah. want to be and imitate what you're looking up to. So if you're a bad mentor, then you're going to expect to stumble someone, you know, yeah. because you're being bad. So, yeah. Are there certain qualities you tend to find yourself drawn to in people? Well, I don't like getting yelled at. <laughs> so people who are very patient and uh, I don't like being talked at either. So it's like if someone's talking at me, I'm going to shut down. Like I'm like, don't talk at me. Like, And I, it reminds me of like Jesus with the woman at the well when like he went mm-hmm. to her level and he like talked to her and was like asking her questions. Like that's how that's what I'm drawn to is someone who's going to ask me and invest like, hey, like where do you come from? Or what, like, you know, I think those questions are going to mean more to me than someone just like, Hey, do you believe in Jesus? Like, that's like very direct. And you're like, back off real quick, you know? So you, you like it when people ask questions to get to know you, like, like to understand you. Yeah. It builds trust. Cause I'm like, Oh, they want to know what my favorite color is. Oh, they want to know what my favorite sports team is. You know, like, so, so what is it about that? That's so important. Cause I, I, to me, it's not that they just want to know to make another disciple. Like, to me, it's like, man, this person really cares about who I am and, like, what I'm going through. Yeah. So it's not just another, like, churchy person that's trying to just win numbers and keep going mm-hmm. and going. And it's like, 
you're going to pause your time and spend it with me. Like, it's just, it's a different, it's a yeah. different interaction with someone. I, I imagine some of us aren't very good at asking questions. We don't even know where to start. Jog your memory. What are some of those questions that really, to you, you can hear the person meet, like, they're trying to get to know me when they ask this and maybe you've heard some of these questions a few times. Like, what what are some good questions we can approach people with? Well, <laughs> I think for me, one of them's uh, I've been asked, "Where do you come from? Like, what's your story?" And I think that is opening up the gate to like, well, they don't care where I come from in a sense of they're not going to judge me if I say I come from this background or I've done this or this is what I'm doing. So I think kind of mm-hmm. saying like. Like, who are you in a way? Like, like just giving you yeah, a chance like just, to say who you are before they judge who you are. Exactly. Or come to their like, own I conclusion. think when you open that field of like making sure, like, I mean, because I don't want someone to come up to me and have a prejudgment of who I am. And I think the questions you ask are going to show that, you know, so yeah. I don't know. So I think asking where they come from, who they are. Um, and if you don't want to be like very direct like that, then just create conversation what you do last weekend you know like yeah. what you've been up to do you go to school you know like just so. try to get to know your life yeah and pull out some what are you interested in yeah that's good uh now advice it's something i think that we assume teenagers don't want oh gosh but you do but what kind of advice do you find yourself enjoying and what kind of advice really annoys you mm-hmm. Man, um, advice. <laughs> well, I think I think advice is good. Every teenager wants advice, like you said, whether they say it or not. They just um, want it in a certain way, they, right? Yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. Not I like think, you said, preaching at me and yeah. I didn't ask to go to church. You just you just made church happen in my lap. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty much. Yeah. Um, I kind of I I don't know. I think. Personally, I do not like when I ask a question and they give you a sermon. <laughs> you know what I mean? So if I'm asking for your advice, I don't want, like, like if I'm asking you a question and you give me what you, like, your story, like, you're kind of directing it off of what I'm asking. So I think. Uh, like, it's an, it's an opportunity for them to talk about themselves. Yeah, I don't saying. like that. <laughs> like, that is so frustrating. And I think, like, you know, we do want to be heard and we do want to be seen. And advice, like. Sometimes we might not say, hey, I don't know how to do this. And, like, just by them, you know. Or I've seen, you know what I've seen is teenagers say, one of my friends asked, hey, how do you do this? And really, like, they're asking that question for themselves. But they say, what would you say to a friend that's blah, blah, blah? Or how would you handle? So, I mean, we kind of dodge really asking. But advice, I just say, like, like, kind of be in the here and now, like their current situation. Like don't give them advice for two weeks out. Don't give them advice for the mm. past. Like give them advice for like that day, like that moment. Like, and cause you know, when you tell us like advice, figure out what college you're going to go to, go do this. And you're like, that's like in the two years from now, like I want right now, you know? Yeah. The eternal now. Yeah. Uh, teenagers experience everything as it's going to last forever starting now. Yeah. Yeah, help me out now. So you don't like it when um, people sense what you need and then launch into some generalized application <laughs> that they would give to any 10 people that asked. Yeah. Y- you want to know that this is personal. You understand mm-hmm. me. You see me. You get me. 
Yeah. Um, I mean, and it's good. Like, I want to know your life and I want to know your story, but it's kind of like, like you said, when you make it about yourself is when I think me personally, I know I step back of like, you know, I don't want to, I don't want to know about you right now. Yeah, but now, now, is, is there a fine line between people sharing their experience as, as a teachable lesson I mean, I, I guess I, I hear what you're saying. You don't like people talking about themselves, but is there a time when talking about their story helps? Or it, it, you really just kind of roll your eyes back and like, you don't get me, you're 20, 30, 50 years older than me. Um, I think when you have been where they're asking, absolutely. Like, So then you respect then what they have I to would say. Respect, oh man, yeah. like now you're going to share like, I've been there. This is what I did. Or how can I help you get out of that place? Cause this is what I did, you know? And so it's like, kind of like when you can relate to them on what they're asking, then totally like, I want to hear you. But if it's just some random stuff about like, or like when people are like, just trust in Jesus, it's like, what? That's great advice. But what do you mean? You know? So mm. I think more, it's more than just like lean on the Lord or here's a scripture. It's like, I want a genuine, sincere answer. You yeah, know? you don't want a cliche, a recycled phrase, yeah. a Bible band-aid. Those are frustrating. <laughs> well. Can you, um, I, think, I think adults can be very guilty of knowing what they mean when they say something, but not articulating that. Yeah. What are some of the overused, unhelpful, roll your eyes to the back of your head <laughs> kind of things you hear that you wish we would be more clear about? Jeremiah twenty nine eleven, which is God knows your plans, yeah. and so it's like it's like that's great. I know God knows my plans, but like, help me. You know what I mean? Help me get there. Like, yeah. what? Where do I go? Like, I know God knows the plans for me, but like, how do I get to where He? You know, like, how do I get there? And so that or Jesus loves you. Like, that's great. Everyone wants to hear that, but like, you know, when you're saying like, man, I'm lonely. Man, I'm hurting. Man, this. Well, just know God loves you. Like, okay, I know that. But, like, you know, so I think our Philippians 4.13, like, it's... <laughs> I can do all I things. I can do all things. Like, that's in sports. That's in schools. That's, like, that's on a bumper sticker. Like, that's great, you know. I can do all things. But, like, help me, you know. So I think just the cliche, like, those are so many cliches I could keep saying. But, you know. <laughs> you listen quite scriptures. a bit. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> They're good ones, but yeah, it, it's like give me a user manual. I mean, I can see that's an instruction book, but yeah. you know, because all of us can read those verses, but right, you still have right. questions of like, okay, what does it mean? How to... did you do that? That's what you want to yeah, know, right? Exactly. How exactly. did you find out God's plan for your life? Yeah. So, is that would that then be a good time for us to talk about ourselves? Yeah, I think, like, personalizing that verse, like, oh, man, I remember, like, maybe not exactly your situation, but being in a situation where I didn't know what God's plan was for me, but this is how I got there, or this is who helped me, or, like, giving them tools. Like, Mm -hmm. we may not want the flat-out answer, but we do want tools to equip us to help us get to that answer. Because some of us, like me, I want to figure out on my own, and I'm really stubborn, and it's like, I don't, I I may not want the full answer, but I at least want something to help me get there, you know? And how do you feel when you come to your mentor, and you're asking for help in this, and they don't give you an answer. 
well, that's frustrating. <laughs> I mean, it's frustrating, but at the same time, it can be really good. Because, like, sometimes I think when we're broken and when we don't know is when God's going to try to, like, is when God's going to use us the most. So if people are always giving us answers to questions, then where, like, where do, where in that time are we depending on the Lord? So I think it's great, like, yeah, give us answers, equip us, but also let us be broken. Like, you may know the answer, but doesn't mean you have to say it to, like, so I think utilizing, like, in this situation, she just needs to, like, lean on the Lord. And in that, I just know that God's going to use her or God's going to pull her out of it. So I think in their, in our brokenness, I feel like is when sometimes answers aren't needed, although you know it, you know what I mean? So it sounds like that's happened to you. Oh yeah. (laughs) You knew your mentor was withholding. Oh yeah. You desperately wanted. (laughs) Yeah. But it's good. I think, I think being broken and being allowed to be broken was more useful than just always having an answer and always being given, you know, this is what you do, this is how you do it. And it's like controlling, like kind of like we were talking about earlier. Like, I don't want to be controlled, but I want to have like my freedom to like, I don't know, kind of test the waters in a way, you know? Grow, Grow thank you. <laughs> so when you're going through something and you're broken and maybe there isn't a good answer other than all things work together for good, Hannah. Uh, <laughs> What is, no, really, but when there is no, like, good answer, I don't know what to do for you here. My heart breaks for you. What's the best thing a mentor has done for you in those moments? I like the, I don't know, but let's figure it out. You know what I mean? It's not, it's not, hmm. I don't know, figure it out. It's hmm. let us do it together. Like, let us search your heart and what God has yeah. for you. And I think that has grown me in so many ways because had I just been told, hey, like, God knows, then I know there's countless times that I still can remember, like where I was told, just pray to God. And I was like, okay, to their face. And later on, I'm like, yeah, right. You know, but it's that accountability where it's like, they're going to, they're actually going to keep me accountable. They're actually going to help me find and dig into the answer. And that's going to like mean so much more than just figure it out on your own. You know? Yeah. Yeah. The whole, you know what? I don't know either, but you're not alone. Yeah. I'll yeah. be here. Yeah. <laughs> now, when I, I think there may be some insecurity for some of us, knowing that we don't have everything together, and yet we want to appear strong, we want to appear righteous and put together for for youth. Um, how do you feel when you see the weakness of your mentor? Like, what goes through your mind? Do you respect them more do you disdain them i love it to be honest i mean that sounds probably heartless but i don't want to see someone struggle but at the same time it's like it brings me back to like wow they're human like jesus with his disciples we were just talking about this at work today and it was like we were saying like how we can relate to these disciples and it was so cool because we think oh my gosh they're the disciples like they walked with jesus they knew who jesus was but yet they still doubted they still couldn't walk on water. You know what I mean? And it's so, like, it's so cool because I think when I see someone who I think has it all together kind of struggle or be weak is when I'm like, man, like, I think I gain a bigger respect for them. But then mm-hmm. I also get this perspective of, like, we're human. Like, they're not in a way, like, they're no better than me. But, like, it, it creates this comfort of, like, yeah. 
they know, you know, they know what I go through. Like they yeah. just aren't perfect, you know? Yeah. And, and, and since now that I know you're imperfect, I can be free to be imperfect. Exactly. And I can share like, man, mm. I screwed up today. Like I did this or I did that. And I think it opens that door of like being able to be vulnerable with each other and transparent. Yeah. So <laughs> you connect, you've connected with several mentors. How did they connect with you? Uh, how do these things start? <laughs> oh, that's hard. <laughs> well, some people just ask us questions flat out and like break down walls. Just interrogate um, you or bother no, you? Or what do you mean? <laughs> well, <laughs> or just like, hey, what's your story? Just that open. Yeah. Like you were and, talking about earlier. It takes, it takes your breath away for a second because you're like, whoa, like what you doing? You know, because I'm very, oh. although some people are like, you're a very open person. I'm not. And so it's like, mm. I'm open because you just broke down my walls, you know? So it's like... Wait, just by asking you questions? Oh, yeah. And, and you're talking like it. within the first few minutes of... Oh, yeah. <laughs> yep. Is this a normal occurrence for you? Nope. <laughs> okay. Really random. <laughs> um, but I think... what? Oh, my gosh. Man, I just... I'm thinking of all these moments. Um, I think... Oh, I can't even. So are are you oh my God, oh my God. are you suggesting that when we when there's somebody on our heart that we sh- that we feel like we should just start building a relationship with what we should do is go and just start asking them about their life. I think that's yeah. At least for important. you that was helpful. For me that was very helpful. For me it was like, man, like someone actually cares and wants to invest in who I am hmm. or just simply care of like where I came from. Like that, blew, <laughs> that blew my mind. Cause it's like someone genuinely cared enough to be like girl in the corner by themselves. Yeah. Like, Hey, like what's your story? You know? And it's like, <laughs> so, so you know? you've mentioned now a few times the phrase where you've come from. Is there something about that question that resonates with young people? Yeah. I think a lot of us like, we want to know, like, they, we want people to know, like, this is where I'm coming from. Like, this is my perspective. This is how I've dealt with things. Because I feel like growing up, like, whether you're sitting in schools, because I've had people who've mentored me, like, academically. And it's, like, what happens at home or what happens before? Like, I come from, let's say, like, a different school, and this is what happened to me here. But now that I'm here, like, I still bring those fears and anxieties yeah. of, not being good enough or not Mm. being able to accomplish something as well as these other students. So I think knowing where they come from is going to really help you grasp how to connect with them. Grasp that you're a unique person with a story and you're carrying things into this moment. And I think just knowing who they are is like, I mean, how are you supposed to get to know someone if you don't know who they are, where they come from? You know, like it just, it it doesn't sound normal. (laughs) It doesn't sound normal to me. (laughs) Right. Right. Okay. Now, you, you've told us some positive ways mentors have connected with you. What, what are some, and these might be people you, that never mentored you because mm-hmm. they probably missed big time on the first pitch. Uh, what are some of the worst ways you've been approached and ways that just turned you off to people? Uh, oh, man. Like, what are some don'ts when it comes to trying to connect with somebody? Again, don't try to be cool because you guys cannot be cool. I'm sorry. That's just like, I mean, I, I can, what? Tell, I can tell understand me. like coming to my level, but like <laughs> when you're trying to be cool, it's just, I'm just like, stop. Like, it's just, you're embarrassed for them. You know what oh, I mean? goodness. Just, All right. I'm sorry. Guys. One I'm example. Sorry. Okay. Um, when you try to dress like them, <laughs> like I know there's been a few people where it's like, 
um, you know, you try to get their attire and look just like them and then, like, come up to them and be like, hey, what's up? And you're just like, you're not one of us, and that's okay. <laughs> like, you don't have to be one of us. And so I think it's just so funny, like, watching people, like, try to become you because we're sitting there trying to become them. And it's like, if you're trying to become me, and I'm trying to become you, like, then what are we going to do? You know what I mean? It's not going to work. Where do you pass each <laughs> yeah, other? Like, <laughs> I'm, I'm just becoming myself still, you know what I mean? Like, I'm just imitating who I already am, where versus yeah. you guys, like, set these examples and goals. Like, I feel mm-hmm. like just being who you are is going to be good enough for us to see, you know? And that's so important, because I don't like people who try to, like, become us, because, again, we're trying to become them. You know, whether we verbally say it or not, that's kind of that, like, awkward, like, man, like, <laughs> what yeah. do I do, you know? So don't try to connect with people by trying to... Be them. <laughs> be them. Okay. <laughs> yeah. what, what, what's another example of don't do it this way? Um, I think when you immediately start being like, Jesus, 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 that's like, okay, enough. Like, can we just talk about real life right now? And, it, and mm. Jesus is vitally important, obviously. But I think when you're first establishing and trying to get to know someone immediately saying Jesus to them is, like, going to turn them off. Because who knows? Like, they may come from a background where Jesus was shoved down their throat, and that's the last thing they want to hear. So it's like, just like I said, being where they are right there. So small talk, everyday conversations are just as important as the big talk. Yeah. Yeah. That's pretty, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. That's good right there. Do you you have another example? These are really good, Hannah. I'm going to keep going until you're out. (laughs) Oh, um. I have to think and recollect. Um, Wasn't there one mentor who really turned you off the first time they met you? <laughs> uh, yeah, I think immediately assuming what you know is wrong with the person is really frustrating, mm. too, because it's like someone's going to come up to you and they already kind of like they saying, like, have this prejudgment of who you are. And I think I've had a lot of people who genuinely were trying to be like nice and like, Hey, like, how can I help you? But they like come up to you and they're like, are you okay? And it's like, dude, like, what do you know about me that I don't know? You know what I mean? So it's like too overbearing. And then just, it's, it's frustrating. Like it's annoying. Like you don't want someone to come up to you and be like, babying you and you're like why are you babying me I'm <laughs> I'm a junior high like high school student like why are you talking to me like this and then like you know or hearing from the grapevine like I've had people come up to me like I heard and it's like exactly you heard like you don't know who I am but you heard this like that doesn't make sense so I think the way you approach us is gonna is gonna make the biggest impact because I don't want to be babied but at the same time like I am curious like what do you have to offer you know yeah. Yeah. And I've been thinking when you're, when you talk about questions, sometimes I feel that there's, I don't know where this line is. You're, you're trying to get to know them and then you're interrogating them. Is there a line or does, do, you, do you really like just being, trying to be known? <laughs> there's definitely a line. Where I mean, is you're not going to be like, Hey, like I heard you went to a party last week and like, what's up about that? The first time you meet someone. So no, no, no. Like, yeah. That, that's when you know someone yeah, a lot better. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So I think that's the line. Cause I know some people like come up to me and they're like, so I know this about you and like immediately want to know that situation. Mm. And it's like, so like they're fishing. Yeah, exactly. And, it, and it's like, don't you want to know about all of me? So I think balancing out between too personal and personal is important because you can ask like personal questions but not get deep into the conversation you know 
for example, mm. again, like back to a whole school situation of, yeah, I come from a school and I wasn't liked there. Boom. That gives you, that should give you enough example of, okay, this person has had a hard school experience and then continue to build that from just knowing had a hard school experience and then keep going, you know, does that make sense? Yeah. And then, and then instead of like, I see cutting it off of there instead of like, so what do you mean by a hard school experience? Cause then you're just going to start digging and they might not be ready to share it or they might not be comfortable with saying, well, this is what happened, you know? I see. No. Okay. So, but let's say, let's say the relationship has, um, there's a, there's a little more trust established. And then they start asking you, oh, what do you mean by a hard school experience? Does that still feel like interrogation or is that you, they've earned the right to ask the next question? I think the way you say it. So okay. I think saying like, I love, I had a mentor who she was very, she was awesome. And she would say like, like, I want to know your heart. Like, what do you mean by such and such? So I think the way you say it is going to impact. Cause I mean, I wouldn't mind sharing if someone says like, I want to know your heart. Like, I want to fully understand what you're saying. So what do you mean by I had a hard school situation? Not just what do you mean by like a hard school situation? You see like the difference is like personal and impersonal. You know, when you just say what happened, it's like, again, fishing for information where it's like, I want to know your heart. I want to know what had happened in a genuine, sincere way. So I can help you if you want. You know what I mean? Yeah. 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 So, Hannah, if there was one thing you wanted adults to know about youth, um, what what would you want us to know? I think one thing I want you guys to know, and it, and, I, and it sounds so, like, normal, but I really think, like, youth, and I know, speaking from experience, definitely want stability and definitely want someone to hear them and hear who they are and whether it's one person or whether it's in my case 10 different people you know I think youth definitely want that connection with someone that they know like even if they text you every two weeks even if they text you once a year at least they know like I I have someone on this earth that just wasn't oh Jesus loves you you know what I mean that genuinely cares and wants to see your best interest at hand. And I think that is so important that, you know, and it goes back to like when Jesus left 99 to find one, you know, and it reminds me like I've been that one where it's like, to me, looking at my mentor, it's like they could care less like what is going around, like going on around me. Like they want me, you know what I mean? They want to reach into my life. And so I think really personalizing that with youth, whether they show it or not, they want that one that's just going to, like, be their rock, even if just by watching them, you know? Does that make sense? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Thank you, Hannah. And for the last segment, we have Michael Beavers sharing a talk. Michael Beavers is the founder, CEO, and leadership coach of Mountain Counseling and Training. If you go to our fellowship, you have seen him on stage encouraging us to live missionally and giving us updates on our missionaries. Okay, so I thought what would be fun to start start with is I, was, I just want you to think about a scale of 1 to 10 and think about it as how connected you feel right now 
with the mission, with a goal of what Brandon set up for tonight. Okay? You might feel like one would be like, I don't feel very connected at all. I want to get out of here. Or, or you might feel like, or just 10. I feel like I am totally connected. I'm, this is definitely my thing. Right? Okay, so I just want you to first to get a num- number in your head. Don't tell me. Don't say anything. How, can, how, how connected with the mission of what we're doing here tonight? Yeah, or even with this group, how connected are you? Okay, just go ahead and think about a number, and I just want you to get a num- number in your head. Okay, this is so much fun because um, even though I didn't talk to the, these guys before, about 80% of what's on this, they've already said. Um, and so, so I, I can do this in a more creative way. I don't just need to repeat what, what they said. And, uh, and, and now I'm going to show that I'm the therapist in the room um, by, well, first, let's make sure you all get no couches. That's like old school. We don't do that. That's old school. Yeah. Okay. So now here's my experiment. Just for you two, because the rest of you, I don't, I don't really care. But just for you two that passed out the materials, I want to know, think about now how connected you're feeling with what's going on after you passed stuff out. Did it change at all? Actually, yeah. Did it? Okay, so did your number go, go up? It went up a notch. Okay. So the reason I did that is because I think one of the, of the kind of tricks of mentoring someone is being willing to ask for their help. Being willing to, yeah, well, participating, but not just participating like they have an activity, but participating in a way that you two just participated in a way that made what I'm doing better. You really helped what I was doing. It would have been hard for me to just pass out those out. And so, so you really made this better. And if you think about when you're mentoring people, if there are, if there are times that you can ask them for, some, for some, some, something, some response, some activity, so that it really does contribute, and yet it's a connection, right? We get, we're a little bit more connected because of that. Yeah, and it's, it's I mean, can you imagine... Can you imagine saying no to somebody if they're asking you a question like, could you please help me with blank? Most people in the room, I'm imagining you're going you're gonna to figure out a way to say yes, right? Okay, so um, Pastor Dan started with a verse that I think everybody knows, right? The verse, the verse um, what you heard from me in the presence of many witnesses and trusted faithful men who will also be able to who will also be able to teach others okay yeah so i think we've at some point we've probably been taught that verse the thing i want to point out number 1 i noticed that one of the things that gets us into trouble i think about the, about the the scriptures generally is the verses right cuz we think that that's the verse that's the point right well, in fact, it's the second half of a sentence, right? So what's the first part? Well, in my handout, I actually said that um, what came first? You then, my child, be strengthened by the grace that is in Christ Jesus. I just think that makes so much sense in terms of mentoring 
if I'm going to mentor somebody, I have to be in a condition of being strengthened, meaning getting better. I have to be in a condition of getting strengthened. If I'm not growing, it's probably not a good idea for me to mentor someone else. Right? So the big point I wanted to make is you gotta, you've got to be growing or mentoring probably isn't a good thing for, for you because people are going to notice that you're in growth or you're not. And so I came up with three things. Uh, if you're going to prepare for being a mentor, the three things I came up with that just make so much sense to me in, the, in terms of a Christian worldview, no, number one, and this may just sound like, well, obviously, it's like, but, you know, we read the Bible a lot. We get taught the Bible a lot. What I'm really talking about here is meditating on the word. And, and it's, it's the, well, I don't know if it's the one thing, but it's certainly one thing that the Bible promises that if you do this, what will you get? What will be the result? The Bible says this over and over again. The answer to that is what? If you meditate on the word, the result will be what? <laughs> well, one way the Bible says it is, is you will be blessed, right? So if you go to Psalm 1, it kind of says that over and over, over again. If you meditate on the word, you will be blessed. If it's easier, though, if you're not sure about what that means, you could go to like, like Joshua 1.8. And if you meditate, then what, what? Well, you will be successful. You will have good success. Well, it's pretty cool that God's promising success in, in what you do as a result of that. So I'm saying that my first thing is you need to have a lifestyle of meditating on the word. And then if you go back to the text up on the top there, Later in that same passage, it says, think over what I say. And I think it gives the reason for that. For the Lord will give you understanding and everything. And I think the implication is in the thinking, in the meditating, you're going to get the knowledge that you need. Okay, so I'm not going to preach. I just wanted to kind of start there because I thought that was a, that was a good, good place to start. My second thing is, if you're going to mentor somebody, you need to get a mentor. If you don't have a mentor, I would say, you know, I think getting a mentor and having a mentor relationship that you're benefiting from would probably be a good, a good start toward your goal of mentoring someone else. And then generally be learning, be in the process of learning and practicing how to live and how to lead. It's another way of saying you need to be growing, right? Okay, so, so then let me, let me just kind of highlight some some of these these things one is i came up with three different types of mentoring and it helps us to think about the concept in a bigger way the first way is the way that you're all kind of assuming which is one-on-one right so i go to brandon and i say brandon you know there's like one particular thing i notice you do really really well and i really want to do it better would you be willing to spend half an hour with me for the next three months every week would you be willing to dialogue with me about that skill? Well, every time, I don't know if Hannah's had this experience because she's done this like 10 times, so she may have had a bad experience at some point. But every time I've ever had that kind of question where I've asked somebody that, and I always make it time 
limited because I think I would scare Brandon if I were to say, would you be willing to meet with me for 30 minutes every week to help me with this skill I want to develop? And the first question that he has in his head is what? How long do I have to do it? Right? I mean, how long is this going to? And so, but if I say, well, would, would you be willing? Well, you might be concerned about the skill too, but, <laughs> but would he be willing if I just asked for a time limited time? And that way at the end of 12 weeks, if he's feeling like, okay, I'm not doing this anymore. It's like, you only committed for 12 weeks. Right. And perhaps it should have been four weeks, but whatever. Um, but the reason I say that is I've never been turned down. Okay. Now, now the next time it's possible that if I ask Brandon, I will be, but I haven't been turned down when I've asked somebody and I've said, and I'm not asking you to read books or to prepare for this. I will have, I will have what we need. I will ask you things. All you have to do is just show up. Right. And so now, and I've never had anybody turn turn me down. So, okay. So another thing is, or another type is really the small group thing, and this relieves some anxiety. I am an extroverted person. I really get energy from interacting with with a person, but I get energy from interacting with more people. Um, and so, give me like two or three people, and and um, never have to worry about things dragging. Right. There's always going to be plenty of energy in the room. We'll have plenty of things that we'll be able to create. And I don't even need an agenda. It's like I have this this deep abiding belief that you get the right people in the room and you ask the right questions and something will be created. And it will probably be really, really good. As a matter of fact, just see, I think it was yesterday at three o'clock. I had a meeting with one of my staff and we. And we created this idea by the end of the hour that neither of us had before. It was a totally brand new idea, which could be a really big deal. It's going to totally change his job entirely. And, and we didn't have the idea at the beginning. We just created it. We just, we just allowed the fact that we trust, trust each other and that we were going to dialogue and we had some ground rules about how we communicate. And we created this brand new thing. And, and that, and it was a good thing, I think. Um, Okay, so the third, so the third, th- the third type is is books. Now you may not think that that's a significant thing, but I get to be mentored by John Maxwell. John Maxwell is pretty good at doing that. He really is. I mean, he's pretty good at leadership, and so I get to be mentored by by the likes of that. And I've never met him. Okay, and I don't feel like I need to. I've I've read enough of his stuff. I know this guy. I even know some of the areas that he's that he's not very strong in. And but I've benefited tremendously from that. I have also been mentored by Bonhoeffer. Bonhoeffer was dead before I was born, right? I mean, and yet and yet I am on my second book about him. And I am just, I am amazed at how much it connects with what's going on here. When I showed up, the first thing that Brandon said, said to me was, well, there might not be very many people because it's really difficult for people to come tonight. But don't worry, we're going to do a podcast. And, we're gonna, and so it's going to be broadcast to a bunch of other people. And I thought, well, I was just listening to the part of Bonhoeffer's life when he had two doctorates and he was a professor at a college and he couldn't get people to come to a devotional. 
He couldn't get one person. He put up like flyers everywhere. Not one person came. And I had just heard that, and I thought, heck, I can come in here, and if there's three people, I'm, I'm good. Um, and, uh, and then he said, well, if there's a podcast, so even if there was zero, it would work, right? Um, all right, so here's, the, here's a quick list of tricks and tips. Um, some of these are things that you've already heard really well. And one is discovery is more powerful than lecturing. Asking good questions is better than lecturing. I'm going to give you some late later. Um, and uh, so respect your mentees, the person that you're trying to mentor, respect their attention span. I promise you everybody has one. You may have already reached yours now. But, but, you, but I promise you everyone has one. So if you're trying to talk to somebody, whether it's an adult or a youth, and their attention span is two minutes, everything from 2.01 afterwards was a waste of energy, right? And probably also kind of made, made them angry. Um, so, and this is a big deal for me, and I'm not, and I, I tend to be biased against this, but just to let people know, less advice giving, more dialogue. Most of the time, at least when I train people to counsel, most of the time I say, you know, the most powerful thing we do in counseling is not giving advice. The most powerful thing we do is, is to create an environment where people discover their strength and they get to apply their strengths to what's going on. And the way I can tell that is that if I'm counseling with Hannah and, I'm, and I've worked with her for 12 weeks and she comes out of that 12-week experience and she thinks, wow, Mike is really, really bright, then I think I blew it. And if she comes out of that thinking, wow, I didn't realize how much potential there was inside me, or I didn't realize what God could do with me, that I think I did exactly right, right? It's really more about creating an environment where people can discover their own stuff. Um, you knowing the right answer is overrated. Um, okay, and here's a rule that I think is true. Some of you may, may not, but I think that generally, when you're talking about connecting with people, men tend to connect around mission or tasks, we do a better job, like, side-by-side, side, connecting, doing things. Women can go to Starbucks and spend three hours face-to-face, -face and they're fine. Okay? As a general rule. Um, and so, so when I have general rules, I always ask folks, okay, does this apply to you? Because there's some people it doesn't apply to. But I think as a general rule, that will tell you a lot about how to, how to connect with folks. Um, Okay, so this is a big deal. We talk, talk about it a lot. Connect and grow around strengths, not deficits. Okay, so a lot of management theory, a lot of leadership theory has been to say, if I'm going to work with Dan, what I really need to do is find out the areas that he's weak in. I need to help him fix those because then he'll be good, right? It's not true because actually if I help him fix the areas he's weak in, all he's going to be is just average, right? I mean, because I didn't do anything with his strengths, right? Now, if I really want him to be a superstar, I need to identify his strengths, the areas he's amazing in, and then provide him with whatever resources he needs in order to become even better. And maybe 10%, 20% of our time can also be on whatever he's weak in. Well, you need to figure out how to be on time during a meeting or what, whatever it is, right? But if 80% of our energy is spent on strengths, then he's got a potential for being a star, 
if all I'm doing is trying to fix the problems, then he's got a potential for being average. Okay, so that that's a huge thing for us. Um, all right, and uh, someone, somebody else already said that you need to be able to listen in an active way. So I just put the words about how to do that, that you're going to reflect, you're going to understand, you're going to paraphrase, you're going to question, you're going to sum- summarize. And keep in mind, all of that is about the other person, right? It's not about you. That's not about you. So I think somebody already said one of the wrong answers is we, we, we have a bunch of things we want to say, and so I'm just waiting for Hannah to say the thing that's going to trigger the thing I want to say, right? Now, in counseling, it's even worse, that we have like, like, like 10 paragraphs or 10 pages of things in our head that we really know we're good at. And we really know that counselees are impressed when they hear this. And so I'm just waiting for, like, Hannah to give me the trigger. I'm waiting. And when she gives me the trigger, I get, great. Now I got to tell her about the Myers-Briggs and how cool the Myers-Briggs is. And, and that's exactly the wrong answer. What I really need to do is let this be about, no, this has got to be about what she's saying. It's got to be about, about what she's bringing. And, it, and I, may, I may come up with something entirely different than anything I've ever said before. And that would be better, right, than just giving you my top five. Um, okay, and then... Uh, well, we already said this, I think, but the, but the idea that mentoring should be time lim- lim- limited because things shouldn't go on forever. Um, they may transition, like you were saying, they may transition into something else, like just being friends, but it should have a limit to it because otherwise people are scared of, of it going on forever. And it, there should be accountability, and I think accountability is a huge deal. And the one rule I always have about that is accountability should be what? Important. And what? Uh, I think that's a good idea, too. I think the risks of being accountable to somebody of the opposite gender are, are bigger than you want to take. What's the point of that? I don't think you need to do that. I don't think it's a good idea. But what I was what I was I was going to say is it should be mutual. That I think that's the greatest power. I'm not saying it's the only way to do it. I'm just saying that's the greatest power. So when I've set up accountability, I've always asked somebody, you know, here's the accountability thing. Here's what what I'm going to be doing. Would you be interested in doing this? And would this benefit you? If you said, well, it sounds like a great idea, but I don't really need accountability. Okay, then I don't want to do it with you. Um, because because you don't need that, and it's going to be a one-down thing. You're going to think that you are somehow controlling me, right? And so, um, but again, I've never been turned down on that one either, especially, well, with guys. I've never been tur- turned down that guys have always been willing to say, wow, accountability would be great. I mean, so most guys I interact with, they get the idea that one of the ways that we're going to grow is we're going to be accountable, um, and we even have have like, well, it builds respect. It also builds purity. I think one of the big things for guys is that if I'm meeting with, with Dan every week, and every week he's asking me a question like, did you compromise your value of being pure or of avoiding lust? And I know he's going to ask me that every week. That's going to help me get through the week. It's going to help me get through the week. And when I have an opportunity to blow it in that area, I'm going to be thinking about Dan 
I'm going to realize that, and hopefully not just Dan, because I realize that when I get to talking to Dan, I could lie to him, right? And that's the whole problem with accountability. But if I'm really thinking about, okay, what God's calling me to, and Dan's just a part of that, he's helping me with that by asking me that. That's a really, really good thing. Okay, and then, um, so we're not going to talk talk about this much, but I will tell you that the card you just got is... um, Really, really cool. This is a summary of a very thick book, but basically they studied leadership for like 25 years and leadership in every arena, like the church and FedEx and UPS and Boy Scouts, whatever. And, and they found out that if you're going to lead effectively, then there are five things you need to be committed to. There are 10 things you need to do. And this is the summary of those things. Okay, so you can fold this in half, put it in your pocket, and um, if you're thinking about leadership or about how to mentor somebody, pick one of these. It will probably take you down the road of a better relationship with them. Okay, and if you're having trouble knowing exactly what each of those mean, you can get the book. Um, okay, and speaking of a, what I love, I think the book is great. Yeah, well, because the big thing I always tell my staff is that is, is that not all. Not all, um, not all readers are leaders, but all leaders are readers. That because it's part of the way we grow, right? Now it may be that now because of the way things are, it may be that we read things in a real book, or it may be we use a Kindle, or it may be that we hear the book. But we're growing if we're leaders, right? Okay, and then this, this, these next questions are from the coaching habit. Basically, the guy, the whole point of the book is to say you got to ask the right questions, and he's saying that these questions are really, really good. And I've been practicing these, and I think he's right. I think these are really, really good. Um, and um, so all I'm saying is experiment with these. I think you'll find these to be really, really great. And then um, there's some books there. So those are just books. So you know, read, read the books because you should read the books. Um, but then the next thing down there is uh, the strengths assessment. There's a, you can go to that site for free. You can take an assessment on your strengths, and you can get your top strengths. You can also, for the person that you're mentoring, you can get their top strengths. Some of the strengths are in that little um, collage thing at the bottom. And so, and that's a great area for you guys to dialogue about because we really like to learn about ourselves. That's pretty much true with everybody I deal with. We really like to learn about ourselves. So if I could tell you, Dan, I can tell you the top five things that are really, really good about you. Would you be interested in hearing the top things that are really good about you? Right? Yeah, a, well, there's no strengths test that I know of that says, and here's the five things that are the worst. Um, yeah. A spiritual gifts test would also be a great tool for you to dialogue with people about, about their gifts, which in a sense you could say are spiritual strengths. So, yeah, absolutely. That would be a great idea, too. Um, but this is more about strengths. What they've done is they've got a set of strengths. They've got a test that will help identify which are your top, like, five strengths. And then that will help you set some goals about your growth. So it gets back to what I was saying before. No. No, these are not. These are not scriptural strengths, but when you apply them, you will apply them in a, in a spiritual way. Okay? So... Um, so it's, and it's not difficult to do that. Okay. So, so the strengths thing is, um, is one opportunity for you to build relationship with the person that you're dealing with.
Okay. Okay. And, and that is it. I think this is a nice summary. I hope this together with the card gives you some specific tips about how to make the mentoring relationship thing work. All right. Thanks. Mm-hmm. 